Hey, everybody. It is Tuesday, December 5th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Moshe Manunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. The day has come, Jill. As we mentioned yesterday, we rolled out uh, merch early to premium. It is now available to everybody. The URL, go there now, mo.news slash merch to get your gear. We got the tote bags. We got the t-shirts. We got the hats, uh, throw blankets, some baby clothes, a whole variety of things to check out in the store. Mosh, it makes the perfect holiday gift. Yeah, we wanted to make sure uh, to get the store up and running to ensure your holiday gifts, your Mo News holiday gifts will arrive on time. So again, uh, check that out. We also have a link in the newsletter today. We have a link in the show notes. You'll see it on the Instagram mo.news slash merch. Jill, let me know if I'm using the word of the year correctly, but I believe the merch will give you some riz. (sighs) Couldn't have done it better myself, Mosh. (laughs) Nicely done. We'll explain what that means for anyone over the age of 25 later in the podcast. (laughs) Okay, now to the headlines. The Supreme Court appears split over an opioid settlement for Purdue Pharma. To the Middle East, fighting in Gaza has intensified. We'll bring you the latest. In business news, Spotify set to lay off a huge percentage of its staff, its third round of job cuts this year. Remember Bitcoin? It's at its highest level in about 18 months. We'll tell you why. George Santos figured out a way to make money legally. We think. (laughs) The former congressman is now on Cameo. And as most just mentioned, Oxford's word of the year is Riz. Do you have it? And Moshe's On This Day in History. Jill will take you back to the 80s for a couple items today in On This Day in History. All right, let's get to it. The Supreme Court seems split on a major case regarding the national opioid epidemic. At issue, the settlement with Purdue Pharma, the maker of OxyContin, that would shield members of the Sackler family who own the company From civil lawsuits over the toll of opioids, the justices seemed at the same time reluctant to break up an exhaustively negotiated agreement, but also leery of somehow rewarding the Sacklers. The $6 billion agreement hammered out with state and local governments and victims provides billions of dollars to combat the opioid epidemic. The Sacklers would contribute the money and give up ownership of the company, but retain billions more. The company would emerge from bankruptcy as a different entity with its profits used for treatment and prevention. The justices put the settlement on hold during the summer in response to objections from the Biden administration after the settlement had already been approved in the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. The Biden administration is arguing that the bankruptcy law does not authorize bankruptcy courts to release the Sacklers from future liability in this agreement. But the Sacklers say that they won't agree to the settlement deal without that shield against future civil lawsuits. About 130,000 people, many of whom lost family members to the opioid crisis, would get payouts that range from about $3,500 to $48,000 per claim, totaling around $750 million. State and local governments would get the remaining billions to fund opioid-related programs. After the Sacklers increased the amount from $3 billion to $6 billion, 95% of those who voted on the deal two years ago approved it. Justice Elena Kagan summed up the debate saying it seems as though the federal government is standing in the way of the deal against the huge, huge, huge majority of claimants. Kagan also saying that in bankruptcies, protection against lawsuits has a price. You get a discharge when you put all of your assets on the table. But the Sacklers didn't come anywhere close to doing that. 
So it presents an interesting conundrum here uh, for the court, as many of the families, as you noted, Jill, want this deal, but the Justice Department here doesn't like it because of the precedent that it sets. So remember here that Purdue Pharma has pled guilty to felony charges for misbranding OxyContin uh, with the intent to defraud or mislead. Uh, They've also pled guilty to charges of illegal kickbacks and misrepresentations to the DEA, a whole variety of things here. Now, supporters of the deal uh, who hope this goes through say it's uncertain whether a better deal could ever be reached with Purdue. The bankruptcy fight has already dragged on a number of years, allowing the Sacklers to hold on to the billions they had promised, money governments were hoping to use for addiction treatment programs. A lawyer for some of the victims warned that they may not receive money ever if the Supreme Court sinks this agreement. But then you have the opponents, which includes the U.S. Justice Department who say that they don't like the scope of the settlement, noting that it's impossible to count future victims. They noted, you know, perhaps there's a 13-year-old who lost their parents to opioids. They might not, with this deal, be able to bring a claim against the Sacklers in the future. They would be barred from doing so forever, effectively. So the issue for the justices is whether the legal shield that bankruptcy provides can be extended to the Sackler family, who, by the way, they themselves have not declared bankruptcy. In fact, they have a whole bunch of billions, about 11 billion, much of it being stored offshore uh, in a variety of places, inaccessible for legal disputes or very difficult to get to, I should say. So there's technicalities here when it comes to bankruptcy. And again, you know, kind of puts the justices in a difficult place here. A reminder, OxyContin hit the market in the mid 90s. Purdue Pharma was very aggressive in how they marketed it, uh, persuading doctors to prescribe the painkillers without regard for the addiction dangers. More than 600,000 people have died from overdoses involving opioids over the last 20 years. A decision is expected uh, in late spring, early summer. Typically, you get the big cases in June, so look out for that. And this decision could have implications for other major product liability lawsuits that have been settled through the bankruptcy system in the courts. All right, now to the Middle East. Intense Israeli airstrikes hit the south of the Gaza Strip Monday, killing and wounding dozens of Palestinians. Israeli troops and tanks also pressed their ground campaign against Hamas militants in the south of the Strip after having largely gained control of the now devastated north. The IDF identified new, quote, bypass roads that it said that residents should travel on instead adding to the thicket of evacuation orders that Israel has issued in recent days that it says are aimed at reducing civilian casualties. But aid groups have warned that the directives are becoming impossible to navigate, while Palestinians in Gaza say it's basically impossible to know where is safe and where isn't. Late on Monday, the Palestine Red Crescent Society said that it had lost contact with its medical teams in Gaza after the main telephone and internet provider said that all telecommunication services were cut. The Israeli military said it destroyed Hamas infrastructure inside of a school in northern Gaza that was used by operatives to attack troops. Inside the school complex, forces found two tunnel entrances, including one that was booby-trapped and other weapons. Since a week-long humanitarian pause ended Friday with Hamas and Israel blaming each other for the collapse, Israel has now entered a new phase in this war, according to the IDF. The army targeting hundreds of locations in Gaza by ground, air, and sea, including a weapons storage facility and a vehicle containing mortar shells, missiles, and other weapons. Despite the growing death toll in Gaza, now approaching 16,000, that is according to Hamas, the White House said Monday that it is too soon to judge whether Israel is doing enough to limit civilian casualties as its forces pushed into southern Gaza. 
Yeah, remember the uh, White House was out with some warnings to the Israelis in the recent days saying they need to do a better job of preventing civilian casualties as they target Hamas in the southern part of this operation after the first eight weeks in the north. More than 80% of Gaza's population has already been displaced. Those are according to the latest figures from the UN. Overcrowded homes, hospitals, shelters, tent camps uh, have led to the spread of some disease, including diarrhea and skin infections. Now, at the same time, Israel, as we told you, believes that uh, Hamas command in Gaza is now in the southern part of the Strip, as well as the majority of hostages. Uh, they are starting to go into the uh, major town in the south, Khan Yunus, but that's where there's a lot of displaced people right now. Now, the Israelis are saying, and they're receiving praise from the U.S., for going forth and putting forth a map, uh, trying to communicate with residents of Gaza, communicating where they're going next. It actually puts the Israeli military at a disadvantage uh, to alert everyone where they're headed next. It's something the U.S. and most other countries have never done in warfare. And so the Israelis point to that saying, you know, we're trying our best uh, to prevent civilian casualties. That said, the war continues and the toll rises. And you have never Palestinians who are saying they're just exhausted by the evacuations. The Washington Post interviewing several families in a recent story uh, saying that they've complied now with multiple evacuations. And if they get this next alert, it'll be the third and in some cases the fourth time that some of these families have had to evacuate to another uh, refugee facility. And Moshe came as a special session took place at the U.N. on Monday about Hamas's sexual based war crimes committed on October 7th during those attacks in Israel. There have been a number of complaints about how international organizations like the United Nations and many global women's groups were too slow to speak up about the issue if they've spoken up at all. So the conference was just meant to put a focus on it. Hamas has denied the reports of sexual violence. They say that any atrocities were committed by other Palestinian groups that poured into Israel on October 7th. But extensive witness testimony and documentary evidence of killings, including videos posted by Hamas fighters themselves, support these allegations. Former Facebook exec Sheryl Sandberg has been really vocal about it. She wrote an op-ed for CNN.com. She also spoke at the UN on Monday. She said, silence is complicity. And in the face of terror, we cannot be quiet. That is why we are all here today to speak about unspeakable acts. UN Women, the UN organization dedicated to gender equality and female empowerment, issued a statement finally after seven weeks last week calling for, quote, all accounts of gender-based violence that occurred on October 7th to be investigated and prosecuted. And that was after someone, Mosh, from UN Women had gone on CNN and asked point blank why weeks had passed and they have yet to even acknowledge the crimes that were done against women and, and the rapes. And the person gave, I think, what we could describe as word salad, like a lot of words that didn't really mean anything. Yeah, we should give credit to Bianca Goldrigo over at CNN, who's um, done a great job with her show of trying to put a focus on this issue and the fact that there's an apparent double standard when it comes to the crimes committed on October 7th. Yes, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, she is a Democrat from New York. She was in attendance on Monday. She said, quote, when I saw the list of women's rights organizations who have said nothing, I nearly choked. Where is the solidarity for women in this country and in this world to stand up for our mothers, our sisters, and our daughters? There is an NGO organized in Israel that's documenting the widespread evidence of sexual assault on women and men, which was part of the Hamas strategy to strike terror uh, into Israelis. One of the big hashtags that is going around right now on social media amongst sadly only really Jewish groups is believe women 
unless they're Jewish or believe women unless they're Israeli. And I will say it's it's quite disappointing. Yeah, I've seen the frustration out there, um, Jill, but people should keep in mind the UN also hasn't condemned Hamas itself. That's been the subject of debate within the UN, uh, condemning them uh, as a terrorist group, despite the fact that the EU, the UK, the US, and a number of governments around the world consider them as such. All right, Mosh, I am very excited about one of our new sponsors, Babbel. Babbel can have you start speaking a new language in just three weeks. I cannot wait to be fluent in French, Mosh. That is the <laughs> language that I am going for. Why Babbel? Because it works. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a private tutor or fooling yourself with language apps that are little more than games, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations. All of Babbel's tips and tools for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, and rooted in real-life situations. Bien sûr, Jill. Meaning? Of course. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I said that for you, it would be a question about how do I find the nearest ice cream store? I guess for me, it would be something about coffee, you know, cafe. <laughs> these are the questions that I need answered. Okay. They do have a special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. You could get 55% off your Babbel subscription, head to babbel.com slash mo news with our discount. That is just six bucks a month, approximately to learn a new language. Again, that deal, 55% off at babbel.com slash monews, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S. Some rules and restrictions may apply. All right. Another longtime partner of ours is AG1 Athletic Greens. If you're a longtime listener, you know that we've both been drinking our AG1 for just over a year now. When I started, noticed a real difference in my energy, getting more than 70 important vitamins and nutrients just with a scoop in a glass of water every morning. It's a foundational nutritional supplement that supports your body's needs like gut optimization, stress management, immune support. AG goes back more than a decade now, and they continue to refine their formula uh, to figure out ways to make it smarter and better based on your baseline health. We've heard from a number of you in the Monus community who have tried it uh, based on hearing it on this podcast. And so we're great to all be uh, drinking it together, virtual cheers on a daily basis. As I noted, I take mine in the morning, knowing that I'm covered for the day. So if you really want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1, and they have a special deal right now for the Monus community, a free one-year supply of vitamin D, five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Head over right now to drinkag1.com, that is drink ag the number one dot com slash mo news to check it out and get the special deal today one more time drink ag the number one dot com slash mo news all right time now for the speed read from the associated press the white house said monday that the u.s may establish a naval task force to escort commercial ships in the red sea a day after three vessels were struck by missiles fired by Iranian-backed Houthis in Yemen, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said the U.S. had been active in conversations with allies about setting up the escorts, though nothing is finalized. On Sunday, ballistic missiles fired by Houthi rebels struck three commercial ships, while a U.S. warship shot down three drones in self-defense during an hours-long assault. The attacks imperiled traffic on one of the world's most vital shipping lanes, 
And with it, global trade overall, about 8.8 million barrels of oil a day are shipped through the Red Sea within range of the Houthis, making it one of the world's most crucial choke points. These ships carry oil and natural gas from the Gulf to Europe, the United States and China. Yeah, the U.S. is also warning it's considering, quote, all appropriate responses. That's the message to Iran right now. Uh, Some say a threat to Iran that on how the U.S. will retaliate to what has been nearly 100 attacks now over the course of the past six weeks, mainly in Iraq and Syria. On Sunday, the U.S. military did conduct a strike in northern Iraq, killing multiple Iran-backed fighters. According to the U.S., they were preparing to launch a drone or rocket attack against U.S. troops in the region. And so the U.S. hit them first and targeted their weapons. From The Wall Street Journal, Spotify is preparing to lay off about 17 percent of its workforce or 1,500 employees as the company accelerates its push to profitability. The restructuring marks Spotify's third round of significant layoffs this year. In January, the company said it would lay off about 600 workers or 6 percent of its staff. In June, it announced plans to trim an additional 200 jobs or 2 percent of its workforce. Despite efforts to cut costs, the CEO says Spotify is still spending too much money, saying the audio streaming company has been squeezed by slower economic growth, as well as interest rate increases that have made it more expensive to borrow. In a letter to staff, he said the Spotify of tomorrow must be defined by being relentlessly resourceful in the ways that we operate, innovate and tackle problems, being lean, not just an option, but a necessity. Jill, we're still seeing the after effects here of the huge uh, growth a lot of tech companies took during the pandemic. Spotify, among them, they nearly doubled their headcount over the past three years to more than 8,000 workers, a hiring acquisition spree, a spending spree as they were looking to grow and saw um, record numbers during, especially during that early pandemic period. But investors and Wall Street are more focused on profitability now than growth. It's something we see with for the Netflixes, the Disney's of the world, as well as the Spotify's of the world. So at Spotify, that has meant scaling back their $1 billion bet on podcasting. A bunch of layoffs earlier this year, though, it does continue to back Joe Rogan, Alex Cooper, Emma Chamberlain, but they dropped a whole number of shows, including the Meghan Markle show, as well as uh, ones featuring the Obamas. They still have 500 million monthly users, so they are the world's largest music streaming service, but they reported a $500 million loss in the first nine months of the year as they try to balance investments and growth with profitability. You know, a reminder to folks, Amazon for years was not profitable, eventually became profitable. So a lot of these tech companies will not have a profit. And that's something that investors uh, didn't mind for a while now. But um, that's become a, a huge priority, especially since sort of the tech bubble burst, the most recent burst happened over the course of the past 18 months. Profits. Who need them most? <laughs> <laughs> not, not in the tech world, not for a long time, but it is very interesting. And, you know, listen, Spotify, if you want to get back in the podcast game, I know of a podcast you might want to invest in. And Moshe, I, I think we're a lot more reasonably priced than the Obamas or Meghan Markle. We put out the number of episodes in two <laughs> weeks, Jill, that uh, Markle and Obama put out in their entire run, just for the record, everybody. <laughs> and Jill, we should note, over the weekend, we passed our 400th episode of the Mo News podcast in just over a year and a half. 400th episode and merch. Uh, Mosh, this, we're going places. And 4 million downloads in a year and a half, Jill. Okay, now we're just burying the lead. <laughs> Somewhere in the speed read. That's been your Mo News podcast speed read. 
Okay, from Bloomberg, the Bitcoin hype machine kicks into overdrive while the cryptocurrency surges past 42,000. It's added more than 150% so far in 2023, as many market watchers anticipate an exchange-traded fund that directly holds the token could soon be approved to trade in the United States. The jubilation prompted Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong, for instance, to post that Bitcoin may be the key to extending Western civilization. Okay, Brian. (laughs) All right, Brian. (laughs) Meanwhile, the prophecies for how high the coin could go spanned anywhere from 50,000 in the immediate term to above 530,000. One analyst saying it is getting crazy again. Those kinds of comments show just how quickly sentiment can change for this asset class. He said, I would argue that one of the most important reasons Bitcoin rallied so strongly in 2020 and 2021 was because of this massive influx of liquidity into the system because of the pandemic. Without another huge liquidity program, some of those predictions are a pipe dream. Yeah, this ETF, this exchange-traded fund, is a way, is basically a pool security. There's a lot of it on Wall Street and allows you to buy and sell um, into larger things. You don't have to buy Bitcoin directly. You can buy the ETF. And that's why people are excited about it because it's a new way to bring in people at a lower price point uh, when it comes to investment. So it could bring billions of dollars of new investments into the crypto space. Now, you know, there's been a lot of rallying, a lot of hoot and hollering over on X over crypto. That's sort of where the crypto discourse takes place. If you're ever looking for like, should I buy this? There's always a million people and bots over on X um, talking about each of them. But keep in mind, it's been quite a roller coaster for Bitcoin and crypto writ large. And it still needs another 65% growth to hit its all-time high back in 2021 Bitcoin hit uh, $69,000 per Bitcoin, but then came the collapse uh, as of late last year, around this time last year, Jill, it was at just about $16,000 per Bitcoin, now back up to $42,000. So nearly tripled uh, in a year here. So, you know, that's great, but past runs have ended with busts. So Bitcoin dropped 64% last year after a 60% gain in 2021, and then a huge growth in 2023. So you gotta be, you gotta have a stomach for crypto, unless you're into it to a point, which is why the ETF could be interesting to folks. From Politico, expelled former Congressman George Santos is now on Cameo, the app that his celebrity figures make personalized videos. Booking a video from Santos, who calls himself a former congressional icon, originally cost 150 bucks, but most he apparently raised his price. The rate for a video is now 200 bucks. Greetings can include occasions like the holidays or a birthday, as well as more generalized topics. Jill? Uh, Congress has taken notice of the cameo. Apparently, Senator Fetterman from Pennsylvania bought a cameo of George Santos, customized for Bob Menendez, the senator from New Jersey, who has his own legal issues that he's facing. Uh, Santos says in the cameo to Menendez, hey, Bobby, look, I don't think I need to tell you, but these people that want to make you get in trouble and want to kick you out and make you run away, you make them put up or shut up. You stand your ground, sir, and don't get bocked down by all the haters out there. Stay strong and Merry Christmas, George Santos says to Bob Menendez in the Senate. Jill, it's blowing up. I, I just went to the Cameo app and saw that George Santos has produced the most amount of videos today, more than 50 as of this recording. So he's keeping himself busy. So at that rate, what has he made? About uh, 10 grand in Cameos. Mosh, I feel like this is George Santos's best idea yet. 
you know who's been big on Cameo, among others, is Rod Blagojevich, the former governor oh. of Illinois, who served prison time, was looking to make money. In fact, my friends, as a joke a couple years ago, bought a Cameo for me for my birthday of Blago talking to me and they like they gave him some generic information about me and you know blago in in the cameo is so funny because he, he went into a whole defense of trump uh and his time in prison he didn't do anything illegal and i was just like dude just wish me a happy birthday it's so interesting <laughs> how these guys just go and mosh i do want to give you a plug you are on cameo I am. I make videos for folks. We try to do a customized on this day in history as part of the cameos. And unlike George Santos, uh, I don't need to use the money for legal fees. <laughs> and I'll try to use it for legitimate purposes and I'm not facing 23 indictments. So I'm just that's part of my pitch. It's going to BBO's college fund. There you go. Okay. And finally, from NPR, the word of the year for 2023 is... Riz, R-I-Z-Z, according to the publishers of the Oxford English Dictionary. Remember, a few days ago, we did Merriam-Webster's word of the year, and it was authentic. Uh, So now we've got Riz. Riz beat out Swifty, Situationship, and de-influencing to claim word of the year honors. The competition celebrates recently created words or expressions that symbolize a period of time while also having potential as a term of lasting cultural significance or providing a snapshot of social history. That is according to Oxford as they announced the winner. If you're asking what Riz means, you are not alone, particularly if you are a generation or so older than Gen Z, don't feel so left out. There's even a chance that you have Riz without knowing what Riz is. True. And like seemingly everything these days, it can also be a verb. So Mosh, what is Riz? Jill, I had to Google it. So admittedly, <laughs> you're not you're not alone, folks, if you're like, wait, what is Riz? Or you're turning around as you drive your kids to school right now to ask them, what is Riz? So defined, Riz is a colloquial word defined as style, charm, attractiveness, the ability to attract a romantic or sexual partner. Basically, Riz comes from the middle part of charisma. So used as a noun, you could say somebody has a certain Riz about them, an effortless ability to charm someone. Or, you know, I got mad Riz, Jill, or you got mad Riz. Now, used as a verb, you can say, I'm going to Riz up somebody at a party tonight. (laughs) I'm going to charm them. So the translation for millennials, really, for our generation, Jill, is it's a version of game. Does a person have game? Can you confidently attract someone you're pursuing? So you can riz someone up back in the day, not so long ago. We used to talk about somebody having good game um, back in the 90s, early 2000s. As for the words etymology here, as I mentioned, a riz comes from charisma, sort of like fridge from refrigerator. Jill, it's interesting. So Webster's approach was literally what is the word people most search on our website this year for a definition, whereas Oxford's really going for like a trending thing. They want to pinpoint something new in the culture. That's the way they approach the word of the year. So what do you think? I think that uh, strategy has a certain riz about it. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done. (laughs) We're about to abuse this word a lot. Jill, what was the word we were doing earlier on the podcast this year? It was like a new invented word that we were trying to use. Mosh, I believe you were referring to Ishbol, um, (laughs) a.k.a. I just burst out laughing. It was like a new version of LOL or rolling on the floor laughing. If someone has a certain riz about them, (laughs) like then they would make me Ishbol. Would that be an appropriate use of both terms? Correct. But I haven't yet (laughs) to hear anybody ever use Ishbol or riz, to be honest. Well, you got to hang out with the younger set there on Long Island, Jill. (laughs) All right. On this day in history, on this December 5th, we begin in 1933, the 21st Amendment to the Constitution 
was the repeal of the 18th Amendment. It was ratified on this day. What was the 18th Amendment? The prohibition on alcohol. It lasted 13 years. And then we would then pass another constitutional amendment to make alcohol legal again. Of course, many people did not abide by that. There were many bootleggers, etc. And so we've only amended the Constitution less than 30 times in our 250-year history. And two of them are related to banning liquor and then making it legal again. Priorities, Mosh. As I say often, Jill, Thomas Jefferson would just be scratching his head being like, (laughs) I can't believe you guys because I thought we'd have to redo the Constitution every 20 years. And this is what you've done. You've kept all these things we put together. Anyway, I digress. Staying with On This Day in History, in 1952, a smog began blanketing London, causing thousands of deaths. The incident prompted the passage of the Clean Air Act there. Uh, If you watch one of the early seasons of The Crown, they document the smog that blanketed London. A pretty scary time, pretty significant. And it did make a lot of governments around the world realize they do need to have emission standards and clean air is a priority. All right, we end here with a bit of pop culture on this day. Beverly Hills Cop, starring Eddie Murphy, premiered in theaters 39 years ago today. Uh, Some people already knew him from SNL at the time. He had a bunch of uh, great sketches, including Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. Uh, But Beverly Hills Cop really put Eddie on the map as uh, he started to do his stand-up specials, too, around that time. All right, in other movie news, turning 26 years old today, Goodwill Hunting. You like them apples? (laughs) Starring Robin Williams, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. Uh, remember, uh, famously, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck took their moms to the Oscars uh, as youngins. And, you know, incredible performance by Robin Williams. You know, still still miss that guy. And a bit of music news. Staying in the season here on this day 39 years ago, 1984, Wham! released their song, Last Christmas. Jill, do you like this better than Paul McCartney's uh, Christmas time song? I think I like Paul McCartney's, actually. All right. Take that, Wham! <laughs> Finally, Ooh, baby, do you know that's Ooh, is a place on earth. 36 years ago, Heaven is a Place on Earth by Belinda Carlisle hit number one on the Billboard charts. Still a great song, Mosh. Stands the test of time, Jill. Mosh, hopefully we as well will stand the test of time. And with that, we want to thank you for listening to the Mo News Podcast. If you like what you hear, share this with your friends. It will help us grow. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the App Store. Jill, if the pod doesn't work out, we can follow Santos to Cameo and just do custom <laughs> cameos together. 50 a day for 10 grand. Not bad money, though uh, I think Cameo takes a cut. And of course... He's got some legal expenses, uh, and I don't know how long he'll be able to enjoy that, uh, given his expensive tastes at Hermes and all the various places he was spending everybody else's money. That Botox ain't cheap. All right, everybody. Go check out the Mo News merch store. It's open today. Mo.news slash merch. Go get your uh, goods. You have a few days to ensure that things get shipped in time for the holidays. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.